Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Staggered Cast. This is your host, Adam Lampson. I wanted to take a quick minute to talk about everything that's coming for you in this episode. We connected with the one and only Tom Blaze. Tom is the man behind Great Northern Productions, which filmed and produced the legendary Benoit videos that many of you listeners probably know of. That maybe influenced you to get into tracking, help you learn the art of tracking, or inspired you to do some filming of your own hunts. Tom talks everything about his career in videography and production, what it was like filming the Benoits, how it all started, what deer camp was like with the Benoits up in Maine, some of his most memorable days on the track, what goes into filming a tracker, how to make your self-filmed hunts better, a bit about his hunting background, what he's up to now, and a whole lot more. But before we dive into all those awesome stories, we have a first ever major announcement about the future of the Benoit tracking videos, some Hunt Stock Fest exclusives, and more with Pat Guyette of the popular Hunt Suburbia podcast and one of the founders of the fast-growing Hunt Stock Fest, which has quickly become the premier outdoor show in the Northeast. As always, thank you for tuning in and following along with Staggered Cast. It's been a great pleasure to bring you guys the content you want to hear that is relevant to the Northeast hunting community. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you want to support the show, we'd appreciate it if you could leave us a review on whatever podcast app you're using to listen to this on, or to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That helps us the most in growing the show and expanding the audience. Thanks again, and let's get right into it. All right, like I said, before we start this episode with Tom Blaze, um, I wanted to bring on Pat Guyette. He's with Hunt Suburbia and the guy behind Hunt Stock Fest and uh, a good friend of Lanny Benoit's. And he actually has some big news coming about um, the Benoit videos and all that stuff. So I want to turn it over to you, Pat. Talk about Hunt Stock. Talk about the big thing you've got going on and, and what's coming for the for the listeners. Sure. Thanks, Adam. Um, first of all, I really appreciate the opportunity to uh get on here before this podcast i know it's going to be an awesome podcast i can't wait to hear it um tom blaze is a legend obviously the uh uh the the cameraman filmographer behind uh most of those benoit videos that uh people are clamoring to to get reprinted here um so i appreciate the opportunity uh to get on and, and talk about uh huntstock a little bit so Huntstock was, um, last year was the first year. Um, Lanny Benoit came down after doing the podcast with me. Um, he decided, yeah, I think I'm, I kind of want to get more back into the hunting world again and mm-hmm. came to Huntstock and it was just such an awesome experience. Um, kind of lit a fire under him a little, a little bit. He's, uh, last I heard he's dropped 25 pounds. Oh, wow. He's ready to, ready to go track another big buck this year and, and get one good stuff um, with his, with his woodman arm. So yeah, it was awesome last year. Um, Huntstock is a great show for trackers. Mm-hmm. We have all the best trackers in the Northeast. Um, and you could probably just extrapolate that and best trackers in the country mm-hmm. coming to Huntstock, um, between Lanny Benoit and, and Timmy Bullduck, um, Hal Blood and all the big woods bucks team members um we've got joe Donito and jim massett steve grabowski coming over from the adirondacks wow rod rodney elmer um and the whole mountain deer collective mm-hmm. joey davis isaac young all the guys from northwoods whitetails so if you are a tracker um you, you really can't miss this show yeah without a doubt. Uh, most of those most of those guys are doing seminars um so there's going to be a lot to learn at huntstock there and Beyond that, we give away more than $30,000 in gear um, from sponsors. We have over 80 sponsors signed up this year. We've got Vortex and Mossberg and Ruger and Six Hour and Kuyu and you guys, Stagger, making some great wool gear um, for the the modern tracker. I mean, it's going to be an amazing show. 
it's going to outperform last year's show and uh you really can't miss it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's hard to believe it's going to outperform last year because last year was so good. But, I mean, you look at the, the lineup you guys put together this year, and it's going to be epic for sure. No doubt about it. Absolutely, man. Do you want to talk about uh, – so so in honor of uh, you know this great podcast you're releasing right now, um, and I, was, I talked with, with Lanny today and um, the folks at Woodman Arms. and So Woodman Arms is partnering with the Benoits to – re-release those dvds there's been a lot of people talking about um you know trying to find those dvds will you guys ever do another run of them and so it's happening wow. and it's going to be you know Huntstock is going to be the only place that you can get them or the first place i should say mm-hmm. um and if they don't sell out then they'll be available on woodmanarms.com you'll be able to buy them and get them shipped yep. but i think there's going to be a uh a really good chance of them selling out at Huntstock. So yeah. what we want to do for your listeners, people listening to the podcast, um, if you want to come to Huntstock, you can click the link in, in your uh, description on YouTube here. That'll get you to the Huntstock page. Um, get your tickets online. You can use code STAGGER, S-T-A-G-R, mm-hmm. um, for, 10, for 10% off your tickets. Um, and all the people who use that code <coughs> um, – out of this whole reprint of the DVDs, we're going to make five special uh, one-of-a-kind DVDs out of the reprints that'll have a, a story told from Lanny that he's never told before. Wow. And uh, we'll draw for five special winners at Huntstock to get those one-of-a-kind DVDs. Um, so I think that's something pretty special, and we're super excited about Absolutely. It. That's crazy. Definitely. Yeah. So let me just reiterate that. So Benoit videos are coming back, probably going to sell out at Huntstock. So if you want the re-released Benoit videos, you better be at Huntstock pretty much is what it sounds like. Yep. And if, if not, then they'll be on the Woodman arm site. Um, but best odds, get them at Huntstock. Uh, if you want to buy your tickets for Huntstock with a 10% discount, use code stagger at checkout. And yep. of those people that use that code, they're going to be entered into a raffle to get a special edition DVD of the re-released Benoit videos. Yeah. And we're only doing five of those and it's going to be uh, something some story that Lanny hasn't told before. We we don't know that story, what it's going to be yet. We're going to record it down here in the studio, um, the new Hunt Suburbia Studios, and uh, it's going to be something special. It'll be included in you know the same DVD that everybody else gets, but with something a little bit extra on the end. Yep. Wow, that's awesome. I appreciate you doing that. That's 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 awesome. I know there's a lot of guys that want those DVDs to be back out, so that's going to be great for sure. No doubt about it. Um, yeah. And, oh, and I almost forgot. I almost forgot. Sorry. For the guys who um, are a little more old school and, you know, don't don't want to buy tickets online or don't really know how to or whatever. You can um, snail mail if you want to do it this way. Um, snail mail uh, cash or a check. You can write the check out to Huntstock Events LLC um, and mail it to 89 Olive Street, O-L-I-V-E. Street Ashland, Mass, 01721, uh, sorry. We'll put that in the description too. But if you want to do that, totally can do that as well. And I'll ship you your uh, your tickets to Huntstock back in the mail the old school way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. we'll put that in the description. So people need to do it that way. We can do it. And uh, to add to that, we also want to do, so if you guys use the code STAGGER at checkout, we're going to have some exclusive stuff just for you guys that you can pick up from us at Huntstock. So some special gifts there. Um yeah, so we got special gifts for the people that use the stagger code at checkout. Um, pick those for, up from us at the Huntstock booth. 
And uh, like I said, we also want to pledge. Um, we got five thousand dollars worth of giveaways of stagger gear at Huntstock. You have to be there. It'll either That's be awesome. uh, you draw out a hat, what you get, or we'll do a little a wheel, or you can kind of pick what you get. We're, we're still figuring that out, but we got five thousand dollars worth of stagger gear for you guys at Huntstock, exclusively to pick up all free stuff for you. So, um, anything else you want to add, Pat? Um, I guess we should just say where it is. Uh, Huntstock is in uh, Westminster, Massachusetts, at Wildwood Farm. It's August 11th, 12th, and the 13th of 2023. Um, so it, the actual address is 50 Woods Road, Westminster, Massachusetts. Uh, centrally located for the Northeast, so it's really only it's a three-hour drive at most for most people mm-hmm. um, to come coming in from anywhere. So awesome location, great farm, uh, really just a one-of-a-kind event. It's all about getting hunters to come together, just celebrate what we love to do, um, you know, drop, drop any egos at the door and have a really good time, learn about hunting, mm-hmm. win some free stuff and, uh, make some great connections. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great event. And really, I mean, the Northeast hunters are just a community in a whole, you know, everybody supports each other. It's like you said, all egos are at the door and it's a really good time. A lot of, you know, you get the beers flowing stories, you get all these awesome vendors. So it's going to be a good time. If you're not there, then you're really missing out. But, uh, like Pat said, uh, Benoit videos are being re-released exclusive at Huntstock. Use stagger code to check out to get your tickets at a discounted price. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Isn't it for now? Yeah. And a big, big thanks to Woodman arms for, um, uh, heading up the project to get those DVDs back into production. Um, they're close with, uh, the Benoit's and, um, it's just an awesome thing that they're doing. Um, they're going to take care of all the shipping and everything. If they don't sell out of Huntstock, they'll take care of all that mm-hmm. shipping and all the business side of the stuff so that, uh, um, you know, Lanny doesn't have to <laughs> have to be sitting, yeah. sitting in his house, shipping, uh, shipping out hundreds of DVDs. But I do think they're going to sell out at Huntstock. Um, but if not, you'll be able to get them at woodmanarms.com. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you guys heard it here first, Benoit videos are coming back. Get your tickets for Huntstock to get them. And uh, I guess we'll roll into the episode now with Tom Blaze. Hope you guys enjoy. You're listening to StaggerCast, brought to you by Stagger Gear. We are back. Another episode of Staggercast. We are talking tonight with, this is, a, well, this is the first of our kind. We're doing it over the phone. Uh, and we're sitting down with Tom Blaze. And for those that don't know Tom Blaze, Tom Blaze started Great Northern Productions. Uh, has a long career in the outdoors, filming, producing videos. You get a lot of great videos. And, you know, most famously for our area, the Benoit videos. Um, so, Tom, if you're there, um, you want to give us a little intro on yourself, kind of from how you started out back in the day to where you are now, your career and your hunting and all that stuff. Yeah. Hey guys. Yeah. I'm born and raised in Southern Vermont back in, down in uh, Springfield, you know, and, uh, I grew up hunting and fishing along the, uh, Connecticut river and Skichwag mountain, you know, and I don't know. I, how did I get into, I was trying to think about this the other day. I was like, Oh, you guys are going to call me for a podcast. I think the guy that, uh, the number one guy that influenced me was uh, Gordon Eastman. Yep. 
you know, this was back in, in the seventies and he did, you know, he was ahead of his time making films about, you know, whitetails and, you know, all these, uh, a lot of sheep hunts and stuff like that. And I was like, man, this guy is so cool, you know, to document the wild, you know, hunts. And, uh, he followed uh, like a bighorn sheep around for like two years and did this whole, this whole film on this, this, this ram, like how he survived the winters and stuff like that. In the meantime, he's having all these other, I think that was out in Wyoming. And yeah, Boone and Crockett whitetail that was hanging out with him and stuff like that. And he did another one on just, uh, rattling like and not killing anything just like what was the effect on rattling really yeah i mean you look at his old stuff it was like i mean it's different than today's television i mean it's it's a little slower paced and whatever but it's like oh my god you know that was so inspiring and then i think uh let's say in the early early 90s i started coming out to montana and idaho uh pursuing you know big whitetails and i Learned about it with Dick Idle and the Winslow brothers who I've had connections with. And uh, it's like, yeah, you got to come to Flathead County or, you know, northern Idaho. You know, at the time, you know, the whitetails were really peaking. I think at the late 80s was probably the peak. And when I first came out here in Montana in the 90s, that's where I live now full time in Montana. And, uh, you know, it, it's been up and down ever since, you know, the deer, deer population and everything. But. Um, as far as world-class whitetails, you know, we still have the top 10 typical is Montana. Um, you know, mostly typicals, but we do have some big non-typicals. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I first came out here, I was like, that's so cool, you know. And at the time, my son was born, and uh, I had a palm quarter. And I was like, I might as well just bring that on my hunting trip and just <laughs> kind of document Um you know, just a palm quarter. And, uh, so I started doing that. And, uh, at the end of the trip, you know, we had four or five guys hunting with us and I would do, go from VCR to VCR and just, you know, cut it up, <laughs> edit it that way. Yep. It was mostly in, I was really, um, when I was filming, I would do in, in, you know, in camera, uh, cuts, you know, like stop it. Yeah. Somebody would shoot a deer. We just go over there, but we weren't doing kills or anything like that. And I did that for a number of years and I, after the end of the trip, I'd give everybody a, a, you know, VHS tape. And they're like, man, you should do this. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, get into it professionally. I was like, is there money in it? And, of course, Realtree was taken off at yeah. the time and some of these other guys and uh, Primos. And I was like, you know, may- maybe we should give it a shot. So I uh, worked with uh, the first video or film I ever did was with Eric Daly. And it took us uh, two years two or three years, I think we collected footage all the way from New Hampshire to Wyoming, Montana, Idaho. Oh, no kidding. All uh, over the place. Then dove right into it. Yeah. And it was a, it was right. The first year we started filming was like the worst winter they've had in like 40 years. And Hmm. they said that like 90, 80% of the population of deer had died like in, in Northwest Montana and stuff. And it was really tough, but it was still like, you know, if you got snow, you know, you could find, I'd say it was as good as any place in Maine. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, so did that's that how I kind of got it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Did that turn into the the your first video, Public Land Whitetails? That first. Uh, yeah. Yep. Excellent. That was, yep. That was the first thing, and I've always been a fan of the Benoits, you know, and and uh, I tracked, I tracked some nice deer, but I didn't, 
really have the knowledge, you know. And I remember we we used to camp in the Adirondacks. Um, we used to go to Long Lake, New York, and we used to take a boat all the way to the end of the lake. It's like ten miles long. Oh wow! And then we float down the rack the, the the Racket River, and where the Cold River and the Racket River came together, we'd set up a wall tent. And really wild country is beautiful, but we just shot anything, spike horns, you know, four pointers, whatever. And when we got snow, I would track and everybody in my group, you know, it was four or five guys, you know, two wall tents. And they said, say, said, you're, you know, you're crazy. Cause they didn't believe it. <laughs> they didn't know it. And they called me Tommy Benoit, you know, that was my, <laughs> my nickname. And I was like, whatever. But I tracked a few nice bucks and shot them. And I had some really good encounters, you know, mm-hmm. and they were like, geez, maybe we should do that. But they didn't do that. And then years later, you know, I would, I met uh, Shane Benoit through Craig Jakes at the Yankee Sportsman's Classic. I was actually working for Dick Idle at the time, displaying a, of uh, an antler collection from Saskatchewan. Yep. It was called Giant Whitetails of Canada. And it was all from Northway Outfitters. And uh, we had Realtree, Cabela's. And that was my, I was looking for a winter job. And uh, I, I found this winter job in Montana. Um, I think it was in the late, it was in the late nineties or mid nineties, probably 97, 98. And uh, I traveled the country country doing these, you know, hunting shows and setting up a display. I had a guy helping me once in a while. And uh, I, one of the first shows I booked was uh, the Yankee sportsman's classic when it was way up in St. Albans. Mm. Yep. In the hockey arena, you oh, know, yeah. um, I think it was 90, might have been 98 yep. when I did that. And uh, I met Craig Jakes. He was bringing in a de- big deer head and to get scored. And uh, I go, hey, I'm, I'm filming, uh, you know, learn how to do videos. I've got a video coming out publicly on Whitetails, you know, Big Woods. And we got to talking and hit it off. He goes, what am I? I know the Benoit's. I know Shane Benoit. He's been working on trying to get this video together. And I'm like, you think you can introduce me? I, I, I could, I could do that for him, you know, because I was, I was learning, I was working with Dick Idle, so Dick gave me a lot of insight on how to produce videos and, you know, how it was, it was a big endeavor. He was trying to talk me out of it. So it's so much work, you know, and cost so much money. <laughs> yeah, um, especially back then. Yeah, I mean, you're the talking big process. cameras and everything back then, yeah. a whole different world. Yeah, yeah, we, we were shooting. Um, you know, he was, you know, Dick was, I think there was the big beta cams mm-hmm. and stuff. And then we switched over to the Canon XL ones mm-hmm. and uh, they were like 12 pounds. It was like, oh man, this thing's nice. And it was all, <laughs> all manual controls and stuff. And uh, so I met Shane and Shane had a vision of over the shoulder, you know, tracking. And I was, I tracked, you know, like I said, I killed some nice bucks, but nothing like these guys. And, and I'm like, you know, do you want to do it? I sat down with him. I had his house up in there and uh, we got a game plan. I, and he, he had tons of old footage in the nineties from up in mostly in Maine Yeah, with, he had like a, a high, I think it was a high eight camera mm. and there's still tons of footage that nobody's ever seen. I, I actually sent it to Lanny this spring, he, all the, all their old footage and Shane had probably 30, 30 hours of stuff. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I never really used much of it because it was low quality and stuff. But it was like Larry making knives and he got uh, Shane film. Um, Larry, he, they, they hunted together a lot. And uh, Shane film uh, Larry shooting a buck up in Maine. And that was on the first video, the first Benoit video that we did. Yep. And you can kind of see that grainy quality. But anyway, 
So yeah, Shane, give all the credit in the world. That, that was his vision. And I said, behind the shoulder, talked to me about double teaming, which I'd never done before. And uh, I was like, wow, that's really cool. And uh, so that's all it kind of, kind of snowballed. And then in the late nineties, we started, um, we worked in Maine, we worked in Northern New Hampshire. And it was really rough. Mm. And I started hunting Ontario, I think in 90, 1999 because of Craig Jakes, because Craig had been hunting up there, keeping it a secret, whatever. Yep. And I'm like, you know, that might be the best place we can get a lot of footage quickly because the deer population was really expanding a lot of, a lot of big woods, a lot of, a lot of big bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was incredible. So we did a lot of filming up there and I think without Ontario at that time, it probably, we wouldn't have got that much footage and, yep. you know, the tracking and stuff like that. But, yep. you know, the whole fir- the first Benoit video, that was mostly up in Maine, right? You said for the most part. Well, so a good portion of it. Yeah. We had, we were still, cause Ontario, that section of Ontario was closed November 15th. Mm. So we would try to film up there in late October and those deer are active. Like they're, they weren't really nocturnal, like, like, like bucks here. And I think Maine is the same way, but here in Montana, our bucks are very nocturnal until after November 15th. Yep. These deer are running around um, weird, you know, noontime was a lot of activity, yep. uh, different, different animal. Um, but then we'd come back and they go home for a couple of days and we'd go, okay, now we're going to go to Maine, set up tents up there or mm-hmm. go to Northern New Hampshire. Sometimes we hunted out of Shane's house and just drove across. Yep. Um, we never filmed in Vermont. It was just, they, the Benoits did do a lot of great hunting in the 80s and 70s and 80s in northern Vermont, but it just got too played out. And <clears throat> yeah, was definitely. Yeah, it wasn't big enough for us and, and for them. And so, when but, you, yeah, it's just the stuff they taught me and stuff. I mean, I, I mean, I, I could go on for hours, you know. <laughs> so when you first started uh, videoing, um, you had, when we talked on the phone briefly, you had mentioned that it, it took, took everybody a little while to buy into the process. And, and can you explain like initially filming with them and, and how it, they kind of, uh, I'm sure were a little reluctant at first that, yeah. and then, and then kind of came into it near the end there. Yeah. Well, we had a really rough start. Well, cause I, I'm, I'm a business guy. I've been self-employed since I was 25 years old. I haven't had you know, different companies, different businesses and stuff, you know, yep. mostly small, whatever. So I just look at it as a marketing standpoint, mm-hmm. yep. you know, we're here. So our goal was to produce hunting videos like with Shane. So Shane and I were on the same page, like, okay, well, how let's do it. He goes, I got a lot of footage, but I said, you got, you got nothing. You got like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, yep. I said, yep. you're dealing with, you've got to have a lot of kills because that's what you're dealing with. Real yeah, tree at the time. Selling, primos. Yeah. Yep. You know, they have 12 kills in an hour. I was like, well, if we get five kills in an hour, I think we're going to have a good product. And I go, oh, we want to be educational. I go, you don't want to, you want, you kind of want to mix. So we, we had these little meetings and, and of course, you know, I tried to get the other brothers involved and stuff. And they were just like, you know, like, man, you're going to get in their way because they, you yeah. know, yeah, you know, and, and they kind of get, they kind of brush Shane off when he was trying to do that. Yep. And uh, so I came on board. It's like, I go, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. Yeah. And uh, it took, I think, and uh, so we struggled for a couple of years. We were getting stuff, and I was like, when are you going to get a video? And we <laughs> we started, I think, I so they did their own seminars, and then I, did, I went up there, and I think, it, up at the Yankee show in the late 90s. 
And I was like, oh, my God. I said, you guys, I got to do a, a seminar tape for you guys. And it'll preview the hunting videos that are coming up. It may take two, three years, but we'll just do a new one every year. Mm-hmm. They thought that was great. Instead of doing a slideshow, and the, one slide was upside down. And it's like, oh, that <laughs> just didn't work, you know. <laughs> it just weren't, you know, like this is the clothes that we wear. And I'm like, I was like, we're going we're gonna to switch this up. So when the, so when the year... I think the first year was like 2000. It's like I kind of took over. I got to redo the booth. Like Shane had a TV from his house that was an old TV. <laughs> I made him a tape, and the, their coats looked blue. Their green coats were blue because the color oh, TV yeah. it was all blown out oh, and yeah. stuff. And I was like, oh my god, you know. <laughs> yep. And things were just just starting to go digital then in 2000. So I'm like, okay, I go. I'm going to make you guys a seminar tape. And Larry was still. Uh, highly involved so they're all together as a family kind of like a little side business you know yeah and uh, i said okay we're going to get this thing going and so we filmed ontario for two th- in 2000 and i had uh i think we had yeah we had three camera guys myself and two other guys and uh we hit it hard and i was like you get, get as much footage as you can and we're like oh this guy can't walk behind me he's too noisy you always think the guy behind you is noisy but you make a lot of noise too you know <laughs> And then uh, Lanny and I got that waterfall buck. Yep. And uh, that was pretty good. But before that, I had killed uh, with Josh Butler was up there helping me. And he was like my new camera guy. And he was just gung-ho and just – anyway, before they got up there, we, we were in tree stands. It was just bare ground, whatever, and got in this honey hole. And I rattled in this big buck and shot it. It was just really good footage, you know. I've used that that scene numerous time, times on different different videos oh, and yeah. TV shows. Yep. And then Lanny came around. We didn't have snow till late, and uh, we got that waterfall buck. And <clears throat> that I said, incredible. this is going to really make your seminar and part of your, your video. And then the other guys, they're kind of competitive. You know, they're competitive guys. <laughs> it's like, oh, I want to get a kill like that too. I was like, yeah, that's what it is. And once, once I put it together – for that first one, it was kind of rough, you know? Yeah. But uh, Lanny did four-wheeling, and we had some history. Uh, I think we had uh, Shane's footage on there Yep. with Larry and stuff, that first seminar tape we did. Yeah, I remember it was that like, scene. It was uh, Larry yeah. said, uh, Shane, this is the first time I ever had to shoot twice. And then uh, <laughs> Shane says, no, Dad, yeah, we've had to do that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, shoot like that uh, many was, times. Oh, uh, yeah, that was funny. Like nine or ten times. <laughs> you get one – take a leg off and yeah we've all been <laughs> oh, yeah. there but you know if you're in snow people say oh you shoot at running deer and all these critics and stuff like that but personally myself uh i've never lost one i had to go back the next day yep um i shot one in in, in the hoof yep. not in the leg and it just like he just didn't want to run anymore but i didn't know i just it was like a couple drops of blood i didn't know but yep but normally uh yeah and yeah you don't lose the deer but um, different, especially if, you know, it's a deer that you want, you don't, you don't yeah. give up on a, on a blood yeah. trail or whatever. Yeah. But, did. uh, but no, that was an, I, those guys and that, from that moment on, they were all on the same page. And then, <laughs> and, 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 uh, Lane, who at the beginning was really negative. Like I sent a guy up to Maine, I think in the late nineties when they were still up in Jackman in those buses, they're probably still there. Yeah. Yeah. And they just, they were broken down. So they just parked them in that campground. And I stayed there a few times too. So I sent a guy up there to film and uh, 
Lane's like, I don't, you know, all just so negative about camera guys. But, you know, after 2000, 2001, I mean, he bought his, got his own little camera and he was filming, Lane was filming. And, uh, he was, he, he was, uh, like when a camera guy film, uh, Lane shooting a deer, then Lane would take the camera and he actually, Lane actually filmed a couple of kills. Yep. Oh, wow. But he's the only Benoit that actually did pull that off. So I give him, I give him credit for that. Yeah, well, we we appreciate you sticking with it and uh, and getting them on board because I mean the results were I mean yeah. still legendary to this I mean, day to I this mean, day I mean you you and them you guys are the ones to thank for that you know that second uh, yeah. surge in track because I mean you probably know now how big it is up here now and it's only been growing and growing yes. and growing the past few years there's more amazing you know content yeah. video out there and people are talking mm-hmm. about it which is great and you know you you and your work and and working with the Benoites You've inspired another generation. Exactly, I mean, it's just incredible. But I mean, but I, I will put the caveat in that nobody has came close to the quality of your videos. No, not quite yet. So. No, no. Well, definitely. we're trying. You know, since I, yeah, <laughs> since I, well, since I talked with you guys, you know, about doing this podcast, there, um, I went online and you know on YouTube, and once you, of course, once you click on one subject, like tracking northeast white tails <laughs> yeah, yeah. i just get all these different ones and i just want to mention some names you know i mean jeremy valentine and yep. brett joy i actually uh did a turkey hunting video with those guys oh nice and and let's see they they're still on there producing some good content yeah and uh uh another guy i just i just uh beyond the boundaries was yeah. another one oh wow yeah yep yeah he's our buddy yeah I just yep. it was raw and i just love the the, the shed hunting uh moose because I, I find moose sheds out here, too. It's too much snow right now, believe it or not. So we're waiting for it to, to, to melt down at, at the 6,000, 5,000, 6,000 elevation where they hang. Yep. And then, of course, Big Woods Bucks with Hal Blood and his team, those guys. Um, Tim Bullock and uh, Stagger, you guys, produce some good stuff. I, that one big buck there, uh, what do you call him? Uh, Gandalf. <laughs> Gandalf. It's like, man, that's a hog. Yeah, yeah thanks, man. Yeah, and it was like uh, another one was uh, Northeast Hunt and Film. I like their stuff. Oh, yep. Yeah, Jeff Doyle. Yep. Yeah, Jeff Doyle had some cool stuff. I was like, man. And then Randy um, Almer. For um, sure, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, those guys. And I remember him from uh, Taxidermies up at the Yankee shows and stuff. But hey, I was going to ask you guys. So these, what the heck? How are they? What is the apparatus that they're filming on their shoulder? Yep. With, is that yeah. a GoPro? A little yeah, so the actual, the actual camera that we use is we use a – Greg and I both use, what, a 10 this year? A GoPro, GoPro 10, 10, yep. And uh, we have a thing we've been working on, this little pack. I mean, it's it's a known thing. People kind of take a backpack and kind of modify it to hold a, a frame oh. or like a, a camera arm or something. And we've actually been working on a product coming out this year um, through Stagger. Okay. So we've got a, a small day pack coming with a, mm-hmm. a frame that's – built into it that's really gonna allow people to do more self-filming and stuff so that's coming soon but yeah so it's pretty much it's a pack with a frame built in or you know right. a, a rod or a tube to hold that camera but uh yeah. i know some guys just use there's like a strap that goes or it's, it's like a clamp that goes on the shoulder, backpack yeah. strap but that's kind of jeff doyle kind of pioneered the the uh, actual yeah, apparatus that goes up above your to the, yeah. the right or left it, of your it, head and uh right jeff i love jeff's stuff because you can see his face you can hear him yep and then you get a glimpse of it it's so hard to get because you have to have a really good lens and you have to be able to zoom in. That's why oh, it's so sure. difficult. For sure. But, uh, but I thought like, man, over the years, like I shed hunt a lot. Like I didn't do much of this year because we had a really 
heavy three four foot snowpack yep so the antlers were buried and then i waited too long because getting ready for my wedding and i'm building a garage mm-hmm. um i'm working uh three and a half hours from home so i spend you know the whole week down in uh, darby i stay down there in an apartment and then i come home on the weekend so yep. i haven't really shed hunted this year normally i find like over 60 sheds a year whitetail mm-hmm. and i put on 300 400 miles i have found like a dozen and i put on like you know 30 miles <laughs> yeah <laughs> now it's greening up now it's greening up and i i don't know i'll have to uh i still haven't collected all my trail cameras you know from from yep. last year i went last sunday and collected collected like five of them that had, had removed and uh towards the end of november and some were still working it was amazing yeah <laughs> but uh but so, if i had a, if i had i'd like to film because i went shed hunting a couple weeks weekends ago and uh at this logging job and i found some nice sheds up there in january 1st they were dropped they dropped early because we had really 30 below a lot of snow and i'm coming down this snow field and kind of post holing, I'm walking on top of it's over knee deep and I fall through. And all of a sudden I see a it's a strip cut and I see a black bear walking right in front of me. It's bear season too, but I don't have a gun. But it was a big sow and I see two two little ones behind it. And uh, I'm like, man, I wish I had a camera. It's like 50 yards in front of me. <laughs> and I'm just standing there. And the two little ones were last year's, not this year's. They're pretty good size. Yep. And they looked really rough, like they just crawled out of a hole. And those two young bears were groaning and moaning so loud and just because they were like probably hungry, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're just coming out of that high country, just like, you know, just following the mother. And I'm just like stuff like that. I wish I had, you know, just make little videos and you guys inspire me to get back (laughs) into it. And I should just create content and just send you guys the raw footage. There you go. Like (laughs) some crazy stuff out here. I'm telling you. Yeah. So, yeah. Huh. Question for you. It's kind of go back to the old days of when you got into film with the mm-hmm. points. What was the first like buck that you guys actually killed on camera where you were like on the track with them? And like, what, what's, what's it like being a cameraman on the track of like a successful hunt? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to put myself in the moment. The thing at the time with Shane, I don't know if you know, he had a uh, kidney disease. So he had a transplant. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually, it was failing when I met him. So he's pretty sick, you know, and then Lane didn't want nothing to do with any camera guys. So it basically, <laughs> and Lanny was in his early fifties, but he was, a, he was an amazing man. Yep. Like his, um, he, he was built to hike and it was really hard to keep up to with him. And even though I was 30 something years old, you know, and I was in great shape working yep. out all the time. And he had a, you know, this big beer gut or whatever, which he still has. <laughs> but like, I tell you what, this guy was like probably 55 years old, but he was like, it was hard to keep up with him. Yeah. But then I tried to say, hey, you know, you have to stop and explain things. And uh, I tracked before, but they don't want to hear that. You know, like, this is how we do it. <laughs> and uh, so I was, you know, that waterfall buck was the first one. And after that, once he saw what I did with it, he's like, now. We're going to work. Yep. Now we're going to tell people, we're going to share. I go, this is what it's all about. Yeah. We, we try to produce a good product. And what we did is we're, we're both looking for, I was looking for uh, a seasonal, a winter job because I was a stonemason, which I still am. Yep. And uh, I owned a granite quarry in Southern New Hampshire too. So I was really oh, wow. busy. Yeah. I was really busy during the summer 
but I would shut down um, November 1st and just go hunting. And I just needed a winter job. I wouldn't start up again till like April, you know, cause it's harsh conditions down here, you know, and we just shut down and uh, I said, I need, I need like a winter job, winter income. And I did the hunting shows for Dick Idle and that, and that uh, Saskatchewan uh, antler collection. I kind of liked the shows, you know, the salesmanship, meeting other hunters. It was fun. And I crisscrossed the country for two, three winters there. Yep. I said, let's just, you know, produce these videos and we can, we can just, uh, you know, do the uh, Northeast shows. And they didn't know how to go about promoting the shows. I go, we can get a free booth. I go, we might be able to get a free motel for down in Massachusetts or New York and stuff like that. And they didn't know how to do contracts. So I was like, I I've done all that. I work with Dick. I, I knew I've learned all that stuff. Yep. yep. <laughs> and, uh, so once we had one video going, they saw that it was a little ca- bit of cash flow, and they could say, "Hey, you know what? We could take a month off," and it would that's what we all had our hands in the pie. We all got paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't a lot of money, but uh, it it we could you know it wasn't like we had to work extra hours. The money just went right back into hunting and stuff like yep. that, and yep. so it was good. But I like the part about it is young men like the seminars that we did you know and and helping people um not just track because the benoits morphed into shooting deer on the ground ground blinds rattling in deer all that and it was a lot of it because uh two two reasons for that one is lack of snow lack of snow it was like Mm. you couldn't you couldn't count on snow still that way today Um, yeah you can't count out in montana i mean you can count below below four four thousand five hundred feet we can't count on it, but sometimes you can get whitetails above 5,000 and there's a lot more snow once you get above that line. But sometimes they run down below the line, you know, in early season or whatever. So, but they learned that, and we needed to get uh, as much footage as possible and not everybody's going to be into tracking and stuff. So, uh, and they learned they're like, Oh my God, you know, this is a, from tracking. They'd find these great, this is a pinch point. This is a bottleneck. You know, bucks travel through here. And if somebody just sat here for three days, you know, they yep. used to say that somebody just sat here for three days and they used to do that up in Maine. They, over the years, they would guide people or have people pay them to go hunting, whatever, or through a, a Pine Grove Lodge. Yeah. Use that outfitter and stuff. And they, and they would take all these hunters. It's like, you know what? If you, Lainey or Shane would be like, this is a big buck cross right here. If you just sit here for three days, and they'd put a guy up on a ledge. Yep. He'd wear, you know, dress up really good, and he'd shoot a 200-plus-pound buck. But you just have to be vigilant and stay there because that's the knowledge you gain from tracking. You find the scrape lines, the rub lines, the pinch points, you know, the places that they bed, the places that they are vulnerable, you know? Yep, yep. And sure. uh, so, you, yeah. You kind of got them convinced into that a little bit, didn't you? Just from – Well, yeah, because – I, I got sick of driving around, and the thing is, <laughs> well, you know, there's a method to their madness, but scouting uh, uh, still, like, where I live is massive woods. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have 10 million acres in this part of Montana. I mean, it's just, I've been hunting here for 35 years. I've been living here full-time for seven years. I probably know more country than any person that ever lived here. Yep. Because I'm in the woods all the time and I'm scouting new country now with the trail cameras and everything. But still, I don't know certain mountains and drainages. What's on, you know, it's so big. Yep. I mean, these mountains are, you know, typically where we hunt whitetails, they're 6,000 feet, you know, some are seven. Wow. And, uh, but the whitetails tend to 
stay below the 5,500. Uh, in the summer, they'll go up higher, you know, uh, but generally in the fall, they're so it's just, and it's just, yeah, there's a lot of logging roads. It's logging country, but a lot of them are gated, and it's like nobody hunts it. You know, it's just wild, wild country. Yep. So uh, the scouting thing, and that's what the Benoites do. I mean, they just drive, know your land, know your prey. That's mm-hmm. not my quote. Mm-hmm. That's an old <laughs> one. But So the first thing they would do, uh, like, say, when they got to Ontario, I remember 2000, the first year they got up there, and they were just driving. Everybody's like, oh, my God, they're just driving. And then they'd get out. <laughs> but they were looking at the terrain, looking at tracks in the dirt and the gravel, and then get out and do these little hikes. And Lanny, you know, would be like, oh, man, this is good. There's a big buck in here. See that track in the dirt? See, this is this is a lot of cover right here. See where they left this strip of timber right here? It's all clear cuts. They're going to travel right through here on this high ground. And sure enough, there would be a big track there. Go out in the woods, you'd see old rubs, some new ones, sometimes find a big shed antler or whatever. And, uh, but after a while, I'd be like, you know what? These bucks are moving. And, uh, cause it would wait for the snow. They always waited for the snow, but you could be, you could be rattling and killing these deer right now. I told them that they just looked at me like I was crazy, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I proved it to them. I said, these deer are active here. They they kind of, they're, they're aggressive. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, we did a lot of that, uh, utilize the time and, uh, you know, scout, as much as you can to locate and once you locate a bunch of big ones if you think they're moving just start hunting at least you know first two hours in the morning the last two hours in the evening and then midday early season you know if it's warm Mm -hmm. you say like late october early november and uh but snow and this is another thing i've heard about them too and i still I, i i credit all the big bucks i've killed not just a tracking, but I found them through snow. Really? And now I'm using trail cameras. But the, the reason I put trail cameras in place is because of deer I tracked on snow. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. You see what I mean? I oh, know yeah. what I'm looking at. Yeah, so that's the key. And people don't realize, like, oh, my God, snow. I remember a guy came out here a few years ago, and I really don't like snow. I, I was like, you don't like snow? I was like, man. I said, just because there's a lot of deer tracks, a lot of deer here, doesn't mean you, you're going to pick out one out of a hundred or, you know, a particular, you know, big mature deer. If you know what their tracks look like, then you can drive around or hike around. And once you find them, yeah. then uh, you can hunt, you can track them or you can sit on them or yeah. whatever yeah. you want. It's incredible but, how much you, you find from just tracking a buck <laughs> like that and just following them. Like I've, mm-hmm. like you, I found some of my best spots and best areas for trail cams those following years for just bucks that I tracked during the season, even if I didn't get those bucks, you know, yep. just the way it is. Yeah. What would you what would you say? So I mean, up up in like Maine and stuff when you're hunting with the Bruins back in the day, what was like the biggest separator that you found like their success was compared to everybody else? Was it just like the massive amount of range and willingness to like do the road work and homework and that stuff? Is that what really separated them back then? Would you say? Oh well, I think it separated them wherever they went. Yep. Um, they started they started in Vermont back in the you know 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. and just killed. You know, there's there's a couple reasons. One is is the mentality of not the square mile. I used to call it the square mile mentality. Um, they thought about their area was hundreds of square miles, mm-hmm. if not thousands of square miles, counties, not just let's get to know this little ridge. Yep. You know, <laughs> and if there's so, yeah, so you got to think about that, you know, because the big bucks are not, they're spread out. There's not a lot of them, you know, so 
you got to, if they're not here, they're going to go there. If there's snow and during the rut, you're going to find them because they're moving. They're going to be crossing roads at night. Yep. yep. And uh, so that was the biggest thing. They're scouting, and, but learning all the roads because if you don't, back then, you know, we didn't have GPS. You didn't have, yeah. you use a compass. Same with me. I didn't use a, yeah, I didn't use GPS yeah, till man. probably 2000. That's back when um, men were men. I mean, that nobody had Onyx yeah. to fall back on back then. You had to I'm really just have. Starting to use, yeah. yeah, I'm just starting to use Onyx right now. It's pretty pretty amazing, especially like finding a big shed antler and you're trying to find the match and <laughs> yeah. just kind of gritting, gritting it off. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So it's like never had, oh, I miss this area. Come back. And you're like, I miss that area right there. And yep. so, yep. yeah, I think I stay on track with it because I can and lose track of i got um we got so, one yeah. uh, one more waterfall buck question it's always been like an urban legend that lanny got in trouble for cutting that tree down can you can you speak to that because uh i've heard that so many times and nobody ever knew if it was true or not oh he had trouble cutting that tree down no that he got in trouble for cutting the tree down like from no the, he didn't get in trouble for <laughs> it <laughs> the narrator said uh davy davis who was our musician yeah narrator says he cut the cut a dead tree down but it was actually a live tree <laughs> <laughs> yeah no. they, you would have should have heard the rumor mill it was like oh they're they're hunting in ontario now because they got kicked out of maine for cutting that but, tree you know, down <laughs> i uh i was trying to like you know when we did that it's like that was real i mean it oh, wasn't yeah. stage bullshit you know it was real <laughs> the best scene was, like, was the yeah. i think uh rodney mentioned it in a separate podcast is when Lanny's pumping yep. that, and, and the steam's running right off him. And it's just, I mean, you could tell yeah, you guys right. have been after it all day long. And uh, you being an oh, avid yeah. hunter, I mean, that must yes. have helped a lot because you were in shape, and you were an avid hunter, and you knew what to do. Yep. So, I mean, that, it was just the perfect combo. Yeah. So. Well, so I think here's the thing. I want to tell a lot of young people now, and I'll just be perfectly honest. You know, what separates those guys, what separated them back then, and uh, it will separate – uh, big woods hunters now or trackers. I'm still a tracker too, but not so much for whitetails because I'll get to that later. But uh, yep. I track mountain lions. I track elk. That's I awesome. Track, uh, wolves. <laughs> yep. That's bad. That is awesome. And it's uh, different animals. But uh, well, anyway, those guys. So anyway, the first was knowing their land. They go into an area, and they would they would they would once they got to know an area, they go back and check it, whatever. But they always were expanding new areas. And sacrificing days, sometimes weeks, if there's no snow, just put your gun on your back. Sometimes you would run in, they'd run into a deer and they would shoot it, mm -hmm. you know, but they weren't really hunting. They were looking for sign of big bucks, mostly tracks and sign and get to know the road so that it was in your head. So when you do get snow, you're like, I'm going to go here first. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. You know, it's a 20, 30 mile route that you're going to take. You don't have your phone out with your Onyx. It was just in your head, and they just went and done it. Another thing is, when it did, they did get snow. They didn't get drunk at night. Yep. They went to bed early. They ate a lot of good food, a lot of pasta, spaghetti, whatever, and go to bed early and shut up, you know? Go to bed. <laughs> and uh, so I remember one time that uh, up in Maine, <laughs> I'll just get back to this, they were set up in a, in a, a tarp, you know, with um, – with sticks and stuff yep. over the back of trucks and stuff. Wow. And it got, and it was, uh, they had some guys from, uh, Massachusetts staying there and stuff. It was before my time, you know, but anyway, um, so they had a couple of paid hunters, you know, like before you needed a guide license, whatever mm -hmm. they had like three guys underneath there and they were scouting for days. And these guys are like, I'm getting sick of this. We're not even hunting. It's like, <laughs> and then they knew a storm was coming on the radio, like, like a foot of wet snow. 
and those guys were just chattering and drinking and chattering and larry's like shut up go to bed we're tracking tomorrow <laughs> you know it's like these guys like, you know because they kept kept talking in your cots you know just oh, open yeah, air yeah. and then in the middle of the night the tarp collapsed Holy shit. on top of them with the snow and those guys are freaking out oh my god it's like shut up we gotta get our sleep we're gonna be killing bucks tomorrow <laughs> so they just let this tarp go on top of them their army cots then they got up and were shaking the snow off and got coffee going and stuff like that and they killed like three bucks that day the next wow. day yeah because they knew what they were doing these guys were freaking out um so so the next thing was like, know your land, know your land. And they already know their prey. You know, they've been doing this a long time. So yep. know your land intimately. Mm. And like I said, in this part of Montana, I'm still learning roads. I'm still learning, you know, drainages and mountains. I haven't gone on. It's just, it's all, all new. It's just so many millions of acres that you just can't. And they did that with Maine and or anywhere. Anywhere. Ontario, they learned more in Ontario in one year than most guys did that were hunting there for five or six years before them. Yep. And then the next thing was when they got snow, like I said, they prepared for it. They got a good night's sleep. They ate well. They had a routine of where they're going to drive or hike in the woods because they knew about a buck they, they, they didn't get last year. They knew he didn't really cross roads. They had to go out and hike to cut his track. Um, so you're always thinking about that, you know, deer that got away. And, and stuff like that and then when they got on a big and they were another the third thing would be very very particular on the track they're gonna try to get on a track it's like you get you know four or five buck tracks and it's like still not big enough they'd fall it in the woods um he's not he you know he's going through the brush he's got a tight rack oh he, you know and no not flat-footed enough and i'd be frustrated with him up in maine like <laughs> Just take this track so we can film it. I'm like, nope, <laughs> yep. it's not. It's not a two hundred forty pounder. Yep. Like that's what I gotta get. So yep. and it, sometimes you go a snow day, and not he goes. I'm not tracking something I don't want to shoot. I'll I'll wait till tomorrow. We'll go do it again. So that's the biggest thing: being very particular on on the track, the animal that you want to follow. Because you know, if you don't want to shoot it, you know, why follow something that you? you're going to regret so mm -hmm. yep and then sure. the next thing is once they gone on a track that they knew this is a giant this is a big buck and they know it as you follow the deer you know it's like man he's must be wide he's going around these trees and uh i just like this deer you know he's a he's a monster deer and uh not give up mm -hmm. not give up yep. go all day long come out with your flashlight you're not looking where you're going it's just all of a sudden okay so now our like, where the hell am I? <laughs> you just pull out your compass. <laughs> yeah. We just had compasses back then. We just like, that's the direction of the road. But, wow. you know, I got to, yeah, here's the thing. Last year, so I started using Onyx like two years ago, but it was like too much. I couldn't figure it out. And it was like battery go down on my phone. My son uses it and stuff. I go, I understand. It. I understand the technology. I still use a GPS to mark places. But I run like, man, like. I guess we got like 40 trail cameras now between me and my, my girlfriend and my, I run a bunch for my son too. Yep. So and we're running in two counties and you got to realize how, how big these counties are now flag County. I read that flag County is the size of the state of Vermont. So wow. it's got the same <laughs> acreage. Wow. Yeah. So I'm in flag County. I'm in Lincoln County and I'm in Sanders County. Yeah. Yeah. With trail cameras. So that's like three States. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
that's a big difference between you know big woods we say up here you know big woods and and stuff up here compared to out there it's just it's just a whole different well, <laughs> it's, uh, it's similar because it's logging country you know yeah. there's roads but there's a lot of gated roads yeah um but there's just certain mountain ranges that you're just you know you're 20 miles between between drivable roads mm-hmm. and uh but but no it's it's uh so where we're getting at, yeah, it's just sheer, <laughs> sheer size difference. Yeah, I remember like we had uh, Lanny on the podcast uh, this past summer, and he was talking about days where he would go and he'd be twenty, thirty miles, uh, you know, yeah. the roadways to get back to his rig, and he had some guy pick him up, and it was like a forty-five minute drive back, and the guy was all <laughs> yep. messed off and everything. Right, but yeah, uh, sure. I kind of have a question for you based on what you're just talking about about them, you know, finding the right track when they get on a track they were going to take, you know, the right one. What, back in those like prime days, what was like the odds they were? killing that buck like what was their success rate would you say in their prime there that depends on it depends on a lot of things depends on the time of year yep mm-hmm. because anywhere's i don't care if you go from maine to minnesota or montana or whatever but mm-hmm. if if you get deer like out here where i'm at like after the 15th of november to the to the 20th it's really tough to track because they're uh they're not they're on the go Mm-hmm. And they're moving all day, so it's really hard to catch yeah. up to them sometimes. Yep. yep. And then before before the fifteenth, they're still they're rutting, but they tend to be more nocturnal, and they do eat. And they when, once they eat, they do lay down. And then after the twenty fourth, they're slowing down again. Yeah. Yeah. Once the primary breeding, so and also it's snow conditions too. Like yeah. if you have, if you can follow the track easily, and it's fairly fresh though. Um, so there's a lot of variables, and people know that, and, and the sound of the snow, like if it's mm-hmm. crunchy, um, you know. Um, but uh, if it, okay, let's uh, so do a scenario like, let's say it's before the peak of the rut, and you get that first early snow. Um, yeah, there was like a I'd say fifty fifty chance for them back. That's pretty that's, darn good. That's damn good odds <laughs> back then. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then um, when conditions are bad or deer are on the move and I think as they got older too, it was it was a little bit less than that. But and then I yep. look at myself too. It's like, man, when have I done the best? I've done best in early season and also late season. Yeah. And then, like out here, when we do get snow and the elevation, it uh, tends to be uh, powder, like a foot or two of powder. Yep. And it stays powder for like a week until it snows again. And it's like if you don't you can't see what the track is, you know, until you go underneath a spruce tree or something like that. And it's like, you're just looking for the width. It's so hard to track in that powder because other deer are mixing in and, you know, filling in the tracks. And it's just, it's insanity, you know, it's uh, a, but there's other times where it's like, or it's like old snow and powder. And all of a sudden it becomes really warm and the snow's melting off the trees. And then you get a track that's, uh, is really vivid because it's it's melted and it's 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 on wet snow and the the other ones were done when it was powdery so it's just you just focus on that it's nice and sharp and you just run on that track and get on that buck and um but yeah it's 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 not easy but those guys yeah and don't i know people young people you know it's like it's not a bunch of bullshit i mean these guys were the real deal you know i'm telling you you and i gotta say that would you know, number of people I've I've worked with in the industry. I, I worked with uh, Sports Field for a mm-hmm. while, um, filming across Canada and the United States, and uh, met probably 
you know, like Jim Shockey and all these different guys. Jim, well, Jim Shockey actually, he uh, he com- he really s- said he saw our stuff back in the day in the early two thousands. We're at the shot show, and he's like, man. And he tried. He was a tracker too in Saskatchewan. Yeah. He tracked some big bucks, and he got some great footage. Oh, no never got a that. kill. But he said he he goes, I gave up on it. It's so tough to have a guy behind <laughs> you. And uh, I know. Yeah, and for uh, sure. I think he mentioned uh, the Benoit's uh, Larry in one of his articles way back when he, he was did. You know, yep. doing a lot of writing. Yep. Um, Ro- well, rolling so into nice that, that, what, what, um, I, I have to ask you this question, girl. I'm going to regret it forever. But what was it like being around Larry at like hunting camp and what kind of, you know, can you just, just talk about the man a little bit and what, what it was like being around him and hunting with him? Yeah. He was a uh, real old school. Like, um, you know, didn't want any. Everybody hunting out of a, you thought everybody hunting out of a tree stand was you know that was unethical <laughs> you know stuff like that and it was cool I you know and uh, real old school far as like like if he saw a trail camera in the woods I think he would he would have shot it <laughs> <laughs> you know back in the day yeah he didn't really understand that that you know the technology yep. and stuff which was okay because we're like hey man it's but when you're you know one on one and he had uh, he was a really good uh, storyteller because, I mean, that's how a lot of people, older people, you know, communicated back in the day. Yep. yep. You know, you tell me a story and then you just pass it on, whether it's telephone or, you know, a conversation. So, yeah, there was a lot of good stories I filmed with him. I spent a couple of days with him different times, like one time just making knives in his shop. I think I spent like. I, I rolled like five hours of footage. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I just, I, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, somebody could probably do something with that. It's all on uh, that mini DV, the, the Canon XL ones that we shot back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Lanny's got that footage and uh, you could do, uh, yeah. I and mean, we tell stories too. We did a lot of that. We never, we never, I just filmed a lot of stuff. And then uh, like Larry took me out to uh, where he grew up and, yeah. uh, you yep. know, JP farm. Yep. Yeah. And his dad, dad was a tracker, um, Leo. And, and he went to the cemetery and he got real emotional too. And I was like, man, showing me the, the mine that he worked in. Yep. And then where, where he was a, a CCC boy, you know, back in the depression, mm-hmm. uh, where they, um, hired people, they, they did, they cut, uh, I think fire trails and stuff up over this mountain. Mm-hmm. And it was in the wintertime, and he goes, I knew we, they dropped a lot of axes and cross-cut saws. So the next the spring, he went up there. Or it might have been a couple of years later, and he walked that, and he picked up all these old tools and saws, and he put them up on his, in his house. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, they're all rusted and had patina on them. And, but it was history, you know. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, he was an interesting guy. He was, he was moody, grumpy sometimes. And, uh, you know, but it, he was a true tracker. You know, and then as he got older, um, I was trying to tell him like, Hey, you know, pop, you know, you don't have to go track. And I said, we took him up to Ontario and, uh, his later year in his seventies there and <clears throat> building ground blinds for him. It's like, you just sit here. We'll try to film you. And we, he got some nice bucks. Well, I was going to say like, like the, the yeah. deer hunting with the Benoit's DVD. I mean, that was a really touching thing when, when Larry got that buck and had, you know, sh- Shane actually got a little choked up on the video talking about it. And it was, that was, a, yeah. that was a great scene. I mean, it was just, just incredible, mm-hmm. you know? But. Yeah. They, they were real close. They, they, they hunted a lot together and, and, 
you know, and a lot of times there wasn't no snow when we did that too. So it's like, and all, you know, back in the day, they would just constantly scout. They weren't really serious about hunting because you always could count on the snow. And then we, we had some years where we didn't get any snow at all. We're like, well, aren't you glad we, we sat on the ground and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and did that? And it's like, and then, you know, like Shane would start thinking like that. Oh man, this is a good, this is a good bottleneck or they call them pinch points. I go, yeah, yeah. between all these lakes and stuff. And, you, you know, you get in between these lakes and it, like the, you get in a really big lake, like in Ontario or northern Minnesota, and at the end of that lake is always a, a series of wa- you know it's water and it's marshy, and then there's a beaver dam usually. Yep. And those 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 deer will have a trail right across those old beaver dams, and I was like, sure enough. And then some of those dam some of those beaver ponds would dry up and stuff, and the deer would just feed, or they'd cross those, you know. And you look at that, and you're like, they they will swim, but they'd rather just go at the end of the lake. Yep. yep. And uh, those are great spots. And we did have really good success there. And then through tracking, we would be like, hey, you know, um, oh, yeah, I remember one. I may, might be saying too much here. But uh, I remember one time Lanny and I were tracking this big deer. I mean, it was the thing had a club foot on it, you know, like, holy I wonder what this thing looks like. You know, you're just yep. like, it's going through the swamps and the bogs and it's, it's going around stuff. And, uh, but the feet on this thing, you know, look like a 270 pound deer, you know, wow. just rounded off re- the, the stagger, you know, I like that name stagger. That's <laughs> how we determine the chest of a deer, you know, how wide that is. Yep. And even you can tell mature bucks that have small feet, they still have that, that width. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so this one had it all and it was rubbing big trees and stuff. And, and, uh, yeah, we had Shane and we had Larry and Shane was like, man, he needed another kidney transplant. He wasn't doing good. Yeah. And Larry had bit really bad knees. So we just strung, we strung these guys out on these little high bluffs, you know, and we tracked that deer before, um, like a, like a week before then it melted. So we kind of knew that, that we knew it was the same deer that we might do the same thing. So we, posted those guys out and we got back on the track and then Larry, you know, I mean, uh, Lanny and I are tracking that deer around and all of a sudden, you know, we jumped at whatever and we just hear this, we heard one gunshot. We're like, <laughs> and it's like, yep. L- L- Lanny goes, well, that's pop. I was like, how do you know? I was like, he's a good shot. He don't shoot more than once, you know, and which he had that reputation, you know? Yep. So he goes, let's just go over there. We didn't have radios or nothing. He's like, you're that confident. He's like, yep. Because mm. he cut that deer was going in that direction. So we just hiked over there and there's uh Larry with that big buck laying there. Wow. So that's awesome. But, but he was kind of like, ah, oh, man, I was like, well, it's all part of the team. We'll go get that. <laughs> yeah. you know? That's awesome. That's crazy. So you've pretty much hunted yeah. with, you hunted with all the guys then Lane, Shane, Lanny and Larry over yeah. the years. With this I camera. filmed. Yeah. I filmed, uh, I filmed all those guys over the years and we definitely and got kills with all those guys. And I had, uh, you know, of course I had a lot of good help, you know, I had, uh, you know, um, Josh Butler, mm-hmm. um, he helped us for many years. Um, Bruce Merrill from New Hampshire. He was a great help. Craig Jakes, you know, he helped us a lot. Yep. And, uh, um, and Lane, Lane did a lot of, a lot of filming too. He, him and, uh, Bruce Merrill, um, Bruce filmed Lane shooting a big buck. It was high one sixties. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, it would have been one sixty six or something like that. It was a big five by five, and 
And then uh, he, the next day, um, Lane filmed Bruce shooting one. And I think they were tra- tracking and rattling, which I'd done before. And it works really good. Like if you get tracking a buck during the rut and you, th- you think he's in some thick cover or whatever and you stop, you think he's bedded and just rattle because yep. you're rattling. You can hear it. It works really well, but a lot of times that buck isn't there. So you think, oh, man, rattling doesn't work. Well, he's a mile away. So if you just track a buck and keep rattling, I've done it like I've killed like three, three nice mature bucks doing that. They just here. come back looking at you. <laughs> That's awesome. They come, a lot of times they come charging in because it's you're right in their bedroom, you know, and yeah. you're just like, holy it's cow. It's like the first yeah, I'm hearing of that. That's yeah. awesome. That's a, that's a really good. They call it track. Yeah. We call it track, rattle, and roll. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I like that. But they did it. They did it in Ontario. It was, uh, Bruce got a nice buck doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Those... yeah my brother, my brother, Billy helped me, um, a lot. Like the first two videos I did, he actually did all the editing and he taught me how to run a computer. I wasn't, I didn't know how to do that. I, it was so cool to learn how to do that, run all that software. And mm-hmm. I was running two different computers at once. So I got pretty good at it. And, uh, and it was, like I said, a winter job. And then come springtime, you know, produce a video. Or if we didn't, then we'd wait till next year. And I'd just go back to doing my regular job. And yep. um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> huh. So out of all the you, – you filmed with all of them, like you said – out of all the guys that you filmed with, who did you, cause it kind of probably comes down to chemistry with the, the cameraman and the hunter. Would you say that's a big thing as that's far as, as matching? So like, who did you, would you say was your favorite to film with or the easiest to film with, you know, who'd you have your best work with? Would you say? Well, I think the easiest to film with was Shane because yeah. his personality. Yeah. He's just such an easy going guy. Yeah. Um, but as far as the tracking thing and, and it was because of Shane's kidneys, you know, I mean, he yeah. wasn't, he actually got another transplant too. And, uh, then he was feeling, got a lot better. I don't know if he, one of the videos you see, he looked pretty bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really skinny. It was, might've been, I don't forget which one that was, but, uh, so we didn't know if he was going to make it or not. Mm-hmm. So, and I realized how, you know, he was on a lot of medication and stuff, so he didn't have the stamina and stuff and whatever, but he was doing good, killing some really nice bucks on camera and stuff but as far as the tracking thing is like Lanny and i we all we were still in shape and uh well he was i was young and um really wanted to you know some, put some good content out you know and stuff and so we got to the point where the double teaming thing and i didn't really understand that and shane had done a lot of it with larry he was telling me like the guy in the back you know you're going to be one step behind him so the guy in the front when he stops you bump into him I thought that was in the beginning, it was kind of weird. You know, it was like two guys tracking, you know, there's not a lot of noise and movement. Yep. And Shane was telling me like, no, if you do it right, the guy in the back, he just, he just steps in the other guy's tracks using your peripheral vision. And the guy in the back's always scanning for deer, scanning for deer. And the guy in the front, he has to look for a place to go, walk around obstacles and look for the deer. And he said, 90% of the time, the guy in the back will spot the deer and can shoot the deer. Mm-hmm. And I didn't believe that. So I go, if that's the case, then if I do it with a camera, I should be able to film the deer before the guy in the front seat. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. And that's what we did. But it took me a while, a couple of seasons. And then, uh, with Lanny, we, we did that very well. We, I'd step in his tracks, but you can't be too, st- too far behind. Cause it's a different point of view. So, yeah. Yep. If the guy, the tracker stops, then the camera guy bump, you bumping into the guy, Yep. Mm-hmm. you know, literally. And then, uh, so yeah, my son and I have used that technique tracking and there's many times where I've been like 
I didn't really want to shoot the deer. It was a nice deer. I wanted my son to get the deer. And I'd be like, there he is, like right over to her, <laughs> to her right, like 50 yards broadside. And I'd grab my son by the back of the, the neck, you know, the shirt. And I'd be like, coat. And I was like, hey, to your right, turn, to your right. <laughs> and he's like, I don't see him. I was like, shoot, shoot that buck, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. It is. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, you probably went through some cameramen back in the day in your crew, if you know, ones that just couldn't keep up or wouldn't match. Would you? Is that true? Yeah. yeah happens part of the, <laughs> part of the game. Not going to mention any names. No, 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 you don't have to. I'm just curious because I'm no, sure. No, I know. It's, well, it's like you think, and a lot of people think that they want to be a tracker, but the reality of it is, and Lanny used to say this too, you've got to have discomfort. It's not, you're going to get wet. It's going to get tired, mm-hmm. and it's, you've got to want it really bad. It's like, like anything in life. You have to really want it really bad. That's and, a really uh, good point. Really good yes. point. A lot of people just want to do the easy thing. Hell, when I'm riding around with Ansel uh, partridge hunting, if his cheek gets cold because the window's down, he's <laughs> he's all done. So <laughs> a lot of people don't like discomfort. So that's no. that's a that's a really true statement. So. Um, well, I could wh- tell you, I could tell you a lot of stories with people that have hunted with us and and I'm not going to mention any names, but anywhere from, you know, people doing photography to writing articles or, um, you know, and also, you know, want to, to shoot video, learn how to shoot videos and stuff like that. And basically, or, or, uh, you know, basically people that they took hunting for money, you know, like guiding, yeah. semi guiding yeah. or stuff like that. And be like, and they realize it's like, man, you don't have the proper gear. Mm-hmm. And they think driving around is like, well, with your window down, it's like, and I had a guy one time in the back, he's riding in the back. I'm like, Hey, you're going to have to put your uh, winter boots on hats, you know, and gloves on riding in the back. This ain't my first ra- rodeo. He says, yeah. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm serious. Cause the window's going to be down. He's going to have his window <laughs> down and the snow is going to be blown in your face. And, uh, and you got your, your head hanging out the window looking at tracks. Oh Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you got the wind chill and if it's already 10 degrees out, well, you better have a hat on and the heater doesn't work in the back like a suburban. <laughs> so you, you can't have this. She's a tracking shoes on. And I'm like, and I've got like, you know, ice fishing boots on. <laughs> and he's like, why am I bundled up? It's like, cause I, this ain't my first rodeo. <laughs> you know, it, it could be, uh, it could be one o'clock in the afternoon, but before we actually find the right track and then I'm going to slip off these shoes I'm going to take my coat off. I'm going to dress down. Mm-hmm. I mean, the coldest you are is in the truck looking for a track. Yep. Yep. I got a you question know? for you. We, uh, what advice, like now that you've kind of, you, you said you've been watching a lot of, uh, present day, like YouTube hunting and stuff. What, what do you see and what advice could you give like aspiring, uh, videographers, um, for what you're seeing today for content as opposed to what you did? Oh, yeah, I I like it too. I like it, but I don't think they have to uh, necessarily copy anybody. Like concentrate on your own story. Like, yeah, maybe maybe it starts with the night before um, you're getting ready with your kids playing around and stuff like that, and the snow coming down on the deck and uh, the forecast and stuff like that. You know, just you don't have to. I mean, yeah, I like the drone footage and all that stuff. It's cool. Anything you can do for a shot, but maybe a story. I know a lot of these guys have trail camera photos because every deer that I hunt now out here, I, I don't hunt a deer that I don't have history with either. I've got three, two, three years of pictures and multiple years of sheds. Yep. 
and then if I want to track that deer, get to know, find out what his track looks like and stuff like that. So I don't, and I think, I think a lot of these guys know these deer that they're after show that history with the trail camera, the finding the sheds yeah. to a quick, a quick little story to lead up to like, Oh my, there, there's his shit. There's his track. I think this is his track or not just tracking. I think, you know, and got to face it, you know, what if the climate gets warmer and we hardly ever get any snow? So, yeah, you're right. I like what you, you know, said there. Cause like the videos I like to see personally, I mean, you might even see the guy making a cup of coffee and they, it's the whole story. Yeah. It's not just 20 minutes of following a track with no, with nothing. You like to, oh, you got to keep mm-hmm. it interesting. You know, I'm glad you hey, said that. One, one of them I saw a, a while back was a short, short film shot up in Maine. And I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Was it Lee Libby? I think so. Yep. It was um, BWB videos. Yep. yep. Was it him? He's like cooking breakfast or whatever. After he shoots the buck, he like mixes a cocktail. Yeah, that's cooks, Lee Libby. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. That was one. I go, that's a, that was an awesome story. Yep. Yep. For that sure. was a film. That was a film. Look at that. Whoever did that knew what they were doing. I, I think, <laughs> if I remember right, listen to their podcast. They had like a filmmaker that was from out of state that came up, and he's like, "Yeah, let's do it." And yeah, he wow. put that all together. Oh, it was called Lee or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great video. Okay, so I would say that, uh, you know, I saw that a couple of years ago. For some reason, I was just looking up, yep, uh, tracking stuff, and and then I'll look at more of them too. But I think you know, inspires me to like, man, I should just film some of my hunts. And, um, especially like a shed hunting season, like two years ago, I had some time off two winters ago and I found like 80 over 80 whitetail sheds. Wow. That's a good year. Mostly, yeah. Well, I put over on over 300 miles. I figure from January 1st till May, um, May or so like 30, over 30 miles a week. Can three, you, know, you can do 10 miles a day. So three days a week I was heading out and then snowshoeing and, so we'll be to, we didn't have a lot of snow, so we could drive on a lot of these roads aren't plowed. So, but that year was, you know, you could drive into this country with those deer winter. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year you couldn't drive in there. So it's, it's a short season, you know. Yep. But, uh, Come meet and learn from the best trackers in the world this summer at Huntstock, America's reinvented hunting show. August 11th through the 13th at Wildwood Farm in Westminster, Massachusetts, you can expect three days of celebrating hunting, meeting and learning from legendary hunters, winning prizes from our over $30,000 worth of giveaways, and having the best time you've ever had at a hunting show. For trackers and fans of the Benoit family, we're happy to announce that Woodman Arms has partnered with the Benoits to reproduce their legendary DVD series by popular demand, they're finally coming out, and they'll be available for the first time at Huntstock this summer. They're likely to sell out at Huntstock, so make sure you get your tickets to Huntstock so you can get your hands on them before they're gone. If they don't sell out, they'll be available online at woodmanarms.com. With trackers at Huntstock like Lanny Benoit and Timmy Bolduck, Hal Blood, Rick Labby, and the whole Big Woods Bucks team, Joe Donito, Jim Massett, Steve Grabowski from the Adirondack Trackers, Rodney Elmer and Mountain Deer, Joey Davis and his great team at Northwoods Whitetails, Adam Lamson, his team at Stagger, there's not a better show in the world for deer trackers. With 50-plus hours of seminars and live podcast programming on multiple stages and gear built for trackers on display and for sale, and over 80 sponsors from the hunting world, you do not want to miss this show. You can get your tickets at www.huntstockevents.com, H-U-N-T-S-T-O-C-K, 
events.com today and use code STAGGER at checkout for 10% off. That's S-T-A-G-R at checkout for 10% off. And all who use the code STAGGER will be entered to win one of five special Benoit DVDs that will feature a never-before-seen interview with Lanny Benoit that won't be published to the public. So Woodman Arms is reproducing all the legendary DVDs, and five of them will have a special Lanny Benoit interview, and we'll make those drawings at Huntstock. But you have to buy your tickets using code STAGGER to get entered into that. So, once again... Get your tickets at www.huntstockevents.com. Use code STAGGER for 10% off and to be entered into the raffle. And we'll see you at Huntstock. Living up in altitude like you are now, I mean, you could probably come back to Maine and kick some butt. Serious bucks, you know. <laughs> but it'd probably be boring yeah. compared to what you're doing now. Um, it's a, it is a different <laughs> world out here, you know. Yeah. We have... We have uh, a lot of mountain lions, a lot of wolves. The wolves are, were getting under control. Yep. Um, and then deer hunters too. So the, our deer are, they're they're really not very nocturnal. Mm-hmm. Like I've had cer- certain bucks. I, the only time I got a daylight picture was uh, maybe one in July, a velvet picture, and then one in December. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And be like, how how are you going to kill these deer? Even they're the peak of the rut. It's always after dark. It's like, how? And I've killed some of these buck and I'm, bucks, and I'm like. Man, it's possible. It's mm-hmm. possible to kill these deer. Yep. But uh, we'll get into that. I don't know. You said you yeah. tracked the mountain lion, wolves, and elk. Let's hear about that a little bit. Well, I haven't. I've been. Uh, I'm always. I always buy a mountain lion tag, and and uh, since I've been out here seven years, full time, and there's a lot of years like this year. I don't. I didn't find a track big enough because I know what what size tracks to look at. You know, for a big tom, and uh, I'll but I just have bad luck. I usually I get on a real monster and uh, say it's like high elevation and it, get on it and it goes down below the snow line. Yep. Or um, I tracked one four years ago. I'm going up this mountain and uh, looking for whitetail tracks. And I'm up about 5,000 feet and I come across a nice mountain lion track from the night, you know, the night before and I'm following that that lying around i'm like oh it's hunting for deer and hunting for deer and all of a sudden the tracks disappear which i've seen that before yep. i'm like this thing made it made a leap it made a leap for a deer so wow. i'm just looking i'm like and i just look like you know 15 feet in front of me and there's a big patch of snow it was, the snow was about knee deep powder and it was all matted down like 20 20 foot circle where it had landed on a deer the deer was probably laying there sleeping and it choked the deer out and then it dragged it down the hill. Wow. I'm like, I wonder what it, and then it walked back up where it dragged it. It was a couple of drops of blood and it walked up, up, up the mountain past that. I wonder what it killed. I went down there. It was a six by five whitetail. Wow. No kidding. Hundred and hundred and forty five inch buck. I ended Ugh. up getting, recovering the rack and it was a good, a good buck, you know, 190, 200 pound deer, which is big for here. Mm-hmm. Fully mature deer covered a little snow on it. And I'm looking at it. It's still warm blood coming out of its nose and its nose was kind of crushed i think it suffocated the deer by crushing it grabbing it by the nose Holy with its God. mouth and but it was a it was an epic struggle i mean they matted down this whole area so i went to tracking this this uh, lion and uh, and it was nice old growth which i could see 100 yards i'm going and i jumped it up i didn't see it and it immediately ran over to the next block of timber which was logged maybe 
15 years ago and they never thinned it. So it was like really thick. I had to crawl through there and cats are small. They can just slip through. So I, mm-hmm. you know, put my hoodie on and my scope covers and it was a square mile of just hell. And I finally ran that cat back out into the old growth again. And then now I'm like, I even got up above it and it was dragging its belly. So you could just see this, this, this trough in the snow and I'll like, take my scope and go ahead of it. And that cat would always see me. I couldn't, it was so canny, Wow. you know, cunning. And then we'd go back into that, that dog hair. And it was just like that all day long. And then at the end of the day, it ended up back at near that kill again. And I gave up. <laughs> I like, oh, you should have took some of your like, own advice there on the Benoit's and sat right on that carcass. <laughs> I know I did go up there. Uh, I went up there a couple of days after that. But then I'm looking at the thinking of the track. I'm like, well, I have seen a lot bigger tracks than that. Some of them are scary. Like a cat will probably be 200 pounds, but this was wow. a decent cat, you know. I go back up there and I to to cut off the antlers, and it, the cat had been eating on that uh, on the carcass. And then I saw another spot just below it, like 30 yards below it, where it rolled around. The cat rolled around with something else. I go, did it kill something else here? And it was a lone, I, and I did a big circle around there, and a lone wolf had come up there, probably smelt that carcass that was coming in probably at night, and that cat rolled around with that wolf. Wow. wow. And oh, then the cow. wolf went tail ass down the mountain, and that line went back on there. So I'm just like, <laughs> like a, a it wolf's was, probably no match for a, a cat out there, is it? Not not, not a lone one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah they're, they're vicious. What I mean, I animal. saw that. Yeah, they took, uh, they take down elk and stuff, and they, you know, they hook their claws in, and then they just usually grab them by the throat. But I'm pretty sure it killed that buck by just crushing its nose and mouth, you know. And that was the only damage on that deer. Like you could have gutted that deer and taken it home, but I mean, jeez, that's incredible. And then wolves, we've we've tracked wolves. My son and I shot one, uh, a black one. God, that must have been five, six years ago. And uh, he called. He actually called it in, and. Uh, but we've tracked them too, but it's, it's not, I tracked one and it just wasn't quick enough to get a shot, but they're just, again, they're just so their eyesight and they're so smart. You know, you just, you, they see you before you see them, you know, that's pretty it's incredible really though. I mean, you're living, yeah. you're living a good life out there by the sounds. I mean, this is <laughs> not bad. Not bad. <laughs> Everybody's like, we're just t- year round, yeah. you know, like right now it's bear season. And then, uh, we're getting a ton of rain, so we look for morel mushrooms. Yeah, in the, in some of the burns, but we have wild patches out in the old growth. And the last couple of years has been so dry, and you have to get a lot of rain. Like it's like I said, we got like two inch and a half, two inches of rain. I don't know, and a good snowpack. So if we get eighty degree weather in the next couple of weeks, it's going to be really good for mushrooms. So I'm looking forward to that, and then we'll look for shed antlers a little bit. But we can. <laughs> yeah. uh, the bears are cool because our black bears. Um, my girlfriend got a nice, uh, kind of a chocolate co- uh, colored one a couple of years ago, but, uh, our half our bears are they're not black. They're brown, red, you know, somewhere in between, but you know, I'd say almost, almost, uh, only a third of them are like a pure black. The yeah, rest yeah. of them are all different colors. Yeah. A lot of color grizzly. phase, right? A lot of color phase in there. Yeah. Some yeah. are real light. We have a lot of real, real reddish brown ones there. They're, they're huge. That's mm-hmm. cool. Um, they don't, they don't, we don't have a, there's no dog season or something, like, anything like that. So you can hunt them in the fall, hunt them in the spring. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we get a lot of pictures yeah. 
of, of uh, really nice bears, and they live to be a long, they live to be 30 years old. But wow! And you'll nice. see grizzly. There's grizzlies out here too, and they, that's the thing. You just never know mm-hmm. when you're going to run into one. And I haven't seen any, but I've gotten, uh, I've been really close, you know, with uh, tracks in the snow and then the trail camera pictures. But they're just the tracks are, yeah, they're just so big. They're just massive. Yeah, yeah. From hunting out there, I mean, you've you've hunted here, you've hunted out there, and all the other types of hunting in between you've done. Would you say that like tracking is still your is that your favorite way to hunt? Um, not for whitetails because uh, now with my trail cameras and shed hunting, mm-hmm. I pick out a, a a particular deer. Um, and like I haven't shot a whitetail in two years, just because I've been hunting a really big deer, but he's starting to go downhill, and. Uh, but I have other deer that are up and coming, you know, they're 160 class or close to 170. Pretty, pretty big. Yeah. The one that I've been after is over 180. Yeah. Wow. I won't say, I won't say anymore. There's people <laughs> yeah, that know I might've seen this deer and, uh, tell you, I don't share pictures of these big ones <laughs> yeah, um, don't blame because you. there's people. Yeah. It's a small world. You'd be surprised. Like, Oh, I should hunted in there too. And I found, you know, you, you found one side, they found the other. It's crazy. Yeah. For um, sure. But no, um, I did track that deer. I don't know what their track looks like a lot of times. And a lot of times there's four or five bucks that are in that age class that have the same size uh, track. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of these Western deer, um, their feet are a lot smaller than the Northeast. Yep. Um, you might have a deer that's Boone and Crockett, but his deer, like you wouldn't track that deer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's comparable to like a four-year-old, but this deer is an eight and a half year old. So it's really tough. But I did with this one deer I've been after. This is my second year after him. Um, I was checking trail cameras after a fresh snow, but it was, it was pretty deep powder. And I, I, he walked by a camera and uh, that, that morning I was like, Oh, and then I got to actually see what his track looked like. And I think I tracked him the year before during our late, we have a late muzzleloader season now too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I never caught up to him. He was on a mission. I got on to him kind of late and he went up over the other side of this mountain. And, uh, so I know he spends time over there too, but, uh, yeah. when you get this dry powder, I know it's hard to imagine, but you get a melee of tracks, even after a fresh snow during the peak of the rut. Cause like I said, you got, you know, the outside of the mountain, there was three bucks, like his age class, but he was had exceptional antlers on the other side of the mountain. There's three or four bucks, his age class. And still he was, you know, so you can just like, all of a sudden you're on the wrong track. And yep. I, yep. I don't want to waste my time, but I will. <laughs> yeah. We track elk a lot. I tracked. Uh, yeah. That I, I was going to ask about the yeah. elk tracking. Yeah. 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 That's our thing now. So elk, uh, uh, my son and I like love tracking elk and we put in the effort because I, I shot an elk the year before and I didn't shoot a deer this year. So late season, I'm like, Oh, I got to track an elk, you know, for me. And, uh, but we like nice bulls, you know, five, six points. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so my son, he tracked, we tracked together. Um, but it was late season. And so with elk, it's all timing too. Like if you track an elk out here, you want to do it like the, in October when a season opens rifle to about November 15th or 20th. And because they're in post rut, they're very worn down and they'll spend five, six days in one area. Yep. And it's sometimes it's hard to find their track, but once you find them, it's like a post rut whitetail. They're kind of like a wounded animal and they don't run a long ways. But after the 15th, they 
since they've been laying around and for a few weeks and they get their legs back under them, if you bump them or if they just feel like, ah, I don't like the grass over here, they literally go 10 to 12 miles just in one afternoon or evening, nighttime, and go wow. right up over a mountain, no doubt. And then wow. they'll go another if you bump them again, they'll go another 10 or 12 miles. So that's why it's good to know all the roads. Jeez. Um, but the easy part of it is they travel alone or with another bull. So it's just one big animal that you're tracking. So it's just like you can just run on the track. Uh -huh. um, so, yeah, it was interesting. We we put on a really good effort. Like my son, I knew all the roads in this one area. My son didn't really know them. And I started this bull on top of this mountain. So like 5,000, 5,500, and then we ran him down below 4,000 and he crossed the road and I was like, man, this thing's going down low. So I'd let, I drop, I go, you go on it. And I drive over to the next road because there's a series of roads you could drive on. And sure enough, I'd see the track and then my son would pop out and I would, I said, keep tracking him and I'll try to get ahead of him. But I just missed that bull a couple of times. And uh, because if I hadn't done that, he would have had to walk like eight miles. Mm -hmm you know, back and I always, always kept moving the truck, moving the truck. And, uh, oh, and he tracks awesome. and he, he tracked another one that was an exceptional bull. Cause just like, uh, they do get really big they're, as they get older. They're a lot like Northeast whitetails. The elk will just get bigger, bigger, bigger. Mm -hmm. And, and then, uh, so he tracked one, he really wanted to kill one. He shot a buck early and then, uh, he wanted to get this bull and, uh, he spent three days on that bull. And he had some long walks to the truck and, uh, he wasn't really, uh, he might've bumped it a couple of times, but it was just like, like I said, they just wander like, yeah. and it takes a long time to catch up to them. And, uh, oh, man. but yeah, and there, when you see one, it's like, man, it's amazing. Oh yeah. And you shoot, you shoot one. They're just like, they're so big. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably and, hard to, hard to think about Northeast hunting after you've been doing that for a lot of years. Do you ever, do you ever have plans of coming back out East and doing some hunting or no? Uh, I've been out here. Uh, this will be seven years full time. I haven't been back to visit at all. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have. To, Why yeah, would you? <laughs> I know. I'd like just my family. Well, I'm getting married in June. Yeah. So I got some of my family I haven't seen in seven years. They're coming out. I'm going to oh, okay. show them. Yeah. Show them around. And my brother, my brother comes out here hunting when he you have to draw a tag. So him and his friend have been coming out here. And Bruce, um, uh, Bruce Merrill comes out here when he draws a tag. And Eric Daly. Yeah. Um, so sometimes last year was just me and my son in the wall tent. Some years we have like seven or eight. We have three wall tents we set up. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. I, it, was, it was boring this year, you know. Yeah. Um, we just shot that one. Devin shot that one deer. Um, but, yeah, there's – well, you have like five tags in your pocket. You have a bear tag, elk tag, deer tag, wolf tag, mountain lion tag. So yeah, it's five five big game tags. Oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. That's wow. just over the counter. You know, you can get other stuff too. But. Yeah, I got to think. I mean, back in the day when you were doing, you know, the filming with the Benoits and making your movies and stuff, was the hardest part of doing that giving up your season to to like make the movies? Yeah. I was to say because you're an yeah. avid hunter just like they are. So yeah. That's got to be difficult for you, well, was it? Yeah, and I could I could have dropped what I was doing with my rock quarry. I ended up selling it and. Uh, 2015 but i could and i remember in 2003 when i was doing stuff with sports afield they got hey you can work with us yeah as a freelancer and you can travel the world we want you to be a big game videographer and stuff and i'm just like man i went on a few gigs with them it was awesome going to alaska and all over canada and stuff and we did I did a bow hunt with them in iowa and 
it was pretty cool, but it's like living out of a suitcase. My son was pretty young at the time. And I was like, man, I don't know if I want to turn this into a job, you know, cause it can be, it was kind of stressful, you know, can be, you know, and traveling. Yeah. And then with the Benoit, you know, I give up a month of my time and I missed a lot of hunting. I remember going to Ontario cause I went up there before a couple of years before they did. And then that's why I said, man, this is a great place to go. But then I couldn't hunt there because I was filming with them. And then sometimes I filmed to the 15th and I wouldn't get out to maybe Montana or Idaho to the, the 16th or 17th of November. And that's when half the rut's over, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, I mean, that's part of the job and the sacrifice. And, uh, it made me like really pound down and say, Hey, if I only got a week to hunt, I'm going to spend every waking moment, you know, use utilizing the snow or yep. if there wasn't snow or just, just spending all day in the woods. And, but, uh, yeah, yeah, people, um, you know, I had the opportunity. Um, they wanted me to move to Colorado. They were actually based, uh, the company I was working for that did that show, Sports of Field. They, yep. they ended up doing, uh, I think they were, they're Orion Multimedia. They ended up doing like 11, they were doing 11 outdoor shows and they were doing home improvement shows too, like uh, Building Alaska. And, I mean, they, I don't know where they're at now, but in the mid 2000s, they were just like growing and, they want everybody in Colorado, you know, to be based out of there. And just from there, they would just fly everybody around. And, um, but yeah, I just passed that yeah. up and I, I passed up opportunities of going to, uh, you know, Africa and filming and be able to film and hunt. And it was like in the summer and I'm working my, my, my seasonal job. And I'm like, oh, I just can't take off. And it yeah. wasn't a lot of, it wasn't a lot of money in, involved, but I mean, I could have probably made a, a living doing it, but yep. it's not, it's not for everybody. You talk to some of these guys that do it. And like I said, but there's, there's something to that is I always thought about it. If I could see it in the camera lens, like I remember this trip I went on um, and I uh, filmed uh, caribou hunting. I always wanted to go caribou hunting, especially with a bow. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a leaf river, which was a phenomenal place. And I filmed like, four or five kills up there, uh, rifle. And, uh, this one guy, uh, with another show, I forget the name of it, but, uh, Bob, uh, folk rod and his guy, it was for his show. And, uh, it was like, but I was, it was so close encounters, you know, you could see the blood pumping out of the, it was like a real white caribou, you know, and it was a pass through, you know, it was, my heart was pounding just like that guy's was, you know, I was like, man, I killed it with the camera, you know, it was so cool. And, I still remember those hunts because, you know, um, I saw it, you know, I was right there. Yeah. And that's I saw awesome. it through the lens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you sacrificed a lot to, to do all the stuff you did for the hunting community back then. No doubt about it. As far as bringing the videos out, was there, was yeah. there a lot of prep leading up to, so like, say you were going to film a Benoit video. Was there a lot of prep leading up to the season to get that ready and to like work with the guys to have everything figured out? Do you guys kind of just like spitball it? You get nope. up to Maine and go? Or? Me, yeah, meet you, no, meet you never, in November. <laughs> we, hardly, I mean, we hardly ever talked on the phone until like a week before we were going to go. But nice. Shane Shane was kind of the, the organ. He was the organizer of their side of the business part gotcha. of it. Like that, what we, that's surprising yeah. to me because like Shane always seemed like the shy one to me. And, and like I would always thought Lanny would have been the one to, oh, let's film, film, film. But no, hearing that it was well, Shane he, is kind of surprising. Yeah. <laughs> And I would, so my part was produce the videos, market the, help market the videos and also book the shows and yep. determine, you know, deal with all that, which was quite a bit, oh, but yeah. I'd done it. 
I did it before with Dick Idol and stuff. So I was like, eh, that's not too bad. You know, call up these. And I knew a lot of these guys. Like I, I met uh, John LaBerge. I met him at the SHOT Show when I was working with Dick at the SHOT Show. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what, what, what's going on, Dick? What do you got going on? It's like, well, Tom's working on this big display. And and then I talked to John, and John's like, well, I got this show up in Vermont. It's like, I'm from Vermont. It's like, no kidding. So this was in the late 90s, and, the, and it was like, it's so weird because it was all interconnected at the time. Like if, if I hadn't done that show, I probably wouldn't have met the Benoits because I wouldn't have met Craig Jakes. You see yep, what I mean? Yep, yep. We're always just like one little fork in the road from and i and i was working on a video at the time but it's like i don't know i'm so glad that i took that fork you know and it's like, like oh for sure well we're all glad. yeah so yeah it's like you guys you guys are doing um uh, like doing clothing right yep oh yeah and that's a that's a big deal you know it's like mm-hmm. wow you know you see a niche in the market and it seems impossible but then Okay, so you just dive ahead and you do it. So now you're just finding ways like, how can we make this? How who's going to do this? You know, and and you just meet certain people, and and uh, that's how you go about it. That's oh, true. for sure, for Definitely. sure. Yeah, we've gotten um, to meet a lot of great people through the podcast and doing the business at trade and going to trade shows and stuff. So, and we're a year and a half, you know, a little more than a, you know, a year and a half into it, and it's just we keeps growing by leaps and bounds, and we keep thinking up new ideas, and it just it's just a lot of fun, lot of fun. you know, the whole process, but. Yeah, but I'm looking. Uh, I'm sitting here looking at all your videos here, and what yep. what one's your favorite? I mean, the ones of the, all the ones you you produced. Um, I remember just oh, just yeah. a quick aside. The publicly and whitetails is that the one you guys were actually using an old car as a ground blind? Yeah, the first one we did. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was, was awesome. A, I I love that video. Yeah, <laughs> that was a real deal. I should have shot that buck. I was like, we oh, didn't I get know. a deer that season. That was crazy. Oh, really? That was well, a nice buck. What was your favorite um, Benoit video that you made? As far as you know, the whole. Yeah, I'm trying well. to remember the name because I remember that one. I was like, man, it's going to be really hard to top this one. It was just incredible. I think we put two so, seasons into that. Yeah. Um, it would be. So the first one was tracking with the Benoits. The second one was uh, tracking with the Benoits two, and then hunt harder, not smarter. And then I mean the t- the second and the hunt third smarter. were just nonstop kill kill shots. Yeah, hunt, hunt smarter, not harder. That might have been. What's the one after that? The one that was deer hunting with the Benoits. The one where Larry was getting a little older. And um, I think hunt smarter, not harder. I think yep. that was a good one. That was it was. Uh, I don't know. It just was some good stuff in there. For and we sure. had other people putting in content too, you yep. know? Yep. And um, Dave Coker was on there and then Landon started yes. being on there. And, but yeah. we didn't, you just kept hitting it out of the park every time. So it was, it, it you was, know, it was exciting it was when one would do. come out. I mean, this was back in VHS <laughs> yeah. days, you know? And, I know. It was a blast. I remember, yeah, it was, it was a lot on my part because like, when's it going to be done? It's like, they were trying to get me to, uh, so we take, a previous season that would be in the can yeah we do like a seminar tape so most of that would all be edited and then they would take okay this year if we get enough kills we can get another tape right tommy it's like yeah maybe i don't know we'll have to see so <laughs> so we'd get back it'd be december when i would get back and then of course you got christmas and all that and i would have to put out a seminar tape for uh, the yankee show when is that like mid-january yep yeah and you'd be like can you get another video and we never, I never could quite pull it off. And I'm just thinking like, man, like David Blanton. I was like, I used to meet those guys at that shot show and stuff. I was like, when do their videos come out? It's like, they don't come out till springtime. Yep. There's a reason for that. Oh, yeah. Because they have to spend all winter taking all that footage and going through it. Plus you're doing shows too. 
So I'm just like, it would be, uh, I think the earliest we used to have them come out would be like maybe March or something. Yep. Remember? They used to come out in the spring. Oh, yeah. And that's and, a, that's and a lot more work be, than yeah. the modern time of, of editing nowadays. I mean, everything's a click of the button now on a computer. What you guys were doing back <laughs> yeah. then was art, you know? Yeah, that was. It was probably, I know. I don't know. I can barely run my phone now. I was like, I can't believe I, <laughs> but it was always, <laughs> yeah. Well, I just wanted to learn it. So if you want to learn something, you just put the hours in, you know? And yeah. Well, I was watching that. a show on uh, Tom Miranda and when he first started doing his own videos, yeah. he had like a whole wing of his house dedicated to it. And then by the end, he's like, this is what I use now. And it's a laptop, you know? So just the, the technology came so far, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He started out like doing trapping videos and stuff. It's pretty cool. Yep, yeah. for sure, for sure. Uh, no, yeah, these, I think yeah. These are my uh, cherished possessions here. I won't, um, I'm, I got them all in front of me, and Adam's not allowed to touch them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, I don't know many people that have all of them, and I have all of them. Well, listen, here's the thing. I, I don't know. But there's some event going on this fall, September. Ron Bushy called me a couple of times. He wanted me to come in September, but I'm going to be archery for elk. Yep. yep. But. Uh, I'm going to donate some uh, old videos and maybe some magazines. I got some real old ones uh, in the 70s. Oh, that's cool. Um, I might donate some stuff. I know my son wanted some of that stuff, but I've got quite a few old videos, but I don't have them all. Like I've got like 25 of like the first one or the second one. It's just leftover inventory. Yep. Yep. And uh, still in the package, you know, and I've got some <laughs> old VHS ones and, Oh man, they're gonna, your of, phone's gonna get blown up if you keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking about in the wintertime, put them on e, uh, put them on eBay. There you go. Yeah. And I don't know what they'd go for, but anyway, uh, Lanny wanted me to uh, take all the old videos and just put them in one one package. You know, so you open up a cover, do a new cover, and there's like five discs in there. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so I had a company from New Jersey all lined up, and then he's like, "No, we got to do uh, another video like with a." Uh, you know, sponsors and stuff like that. I'm like, all right. So, and I, you know, it was just, we dragged our feet on it. So then I just sent him the, uh, all that, all the masters and stuff. So speaking of you, when, when Greg was talking about what your favorite was, I had a question just to kind of take us through a time machine here. What was it like, you know, the Benoits, you guys were filming with them. You guys had a successful day, maybe multiple guys killed bucks. What was it like in camp, you know, back in the day, those nights of, you know, celebrate killing after, nights. after yeah, killing nights. Yeah. yeah. Killing we definitely, days. We definitely definitely cracked a few beers like that. <laughs> <laughs> rightfully so, rightfully so. Yeah, and then uh yeah, it was just like a lot of a lot of energy and um telling the stories and stuff like that. And then um somebody would be uh cooking up some food because mm -hmm. most of us and we'd be uh weighing that thing, weighing them up, you know, on the meat pole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh that was cool, you know, headlamps on and lanterns out there snow would be coming down and uh yeah it would be pretty cool and that's awesome that's when we'd stay up late sometimes you know yeah yeah they'd be like i ain't got my buck yet so shut the light off but they'd help each other too yeah oh yeah that's the thing like so somebody unlucky person would not fill their tag to the end of the season yeah mm -hmm. so the other guys would say hey i there was a big buck over here and they would go over there. And, uh, so we definitely, they definitely did that. And I do that for my people. You know, I'm the scout here. I've got my family coming here. So I, I really learned that from Lanny. It's like, Hey, you know, um, be the scout, find, you know, 50, have 15 different bucks that you know about, especially now on my trail camera. So when these guys kill deer, they come here. I was like, Oh, I'll send you pictures of that deer. I know that deer. 
Because yep. I send them into an area and they kill they kill one of those deer and it's like, you know this one? I go, yep. <laughs> go, How old is he? I go, he's <laughs> we're gonna we'll send in a tooth and it's like an eight and a half year old deer. It's like, but he's only a four by four. I go, he's I go, that's an old deer. He's a fighter. Mm-hmm. I said, just because he only scores 120 inches doesn't mean anything. I says, and sure enough, I send in the teeth and uh, I get the results. It's like, that's an eight and a half year old deer. That's an old deer. Oh, man. And, uh, but I send him a series of pictures. You know, now I'm putting them in uh, folders on my phone. So in deer camp, I can just pull it out. And it's like, you know, so when that's I get cool. cell service, I send it to him. Yeah, it's, yep. it's cool, you know, and, and he's just helping people. And I don't always send them into my best spots. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> hey, did you, uh, did you, um, remember that hunt with Lane where he hit one and then it snowed a bunch and he ended up hitting in the liver and finished it off the next day? Were you filming yeah. that one? No, uh, Bruce Merrill was, was, was filming that one. Okay. That was one of the, the more informational videos that we ever saw. Just, the, just never seen it unfold like that. We're yeah. following dimples in the snow and then, and then seeing it the next day and just, just some really incredible stuff. Another one that comes to mind is, uh, I think Lane was filming and he had shot his buck. They were dragging it out. And then another one runs yeah, out and he hands the, Ontario, hands the gun right? over yeah. and grabs the camera and just stuff that was just incredible, you know, but yeah sorry well, to interrupt you i keep interrupting you <laughs> no no but that, that's good you know yeah it brings back a lot of memories man yeah for sure. but yeah it's unpredictable you know that's the thing about it. it's like just keep rolling the camera and you know a lot of the guys didn't do that you know they just thought you know just to kill or this and that like well a lot happens before that you know oh yeah 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 so it's it's a good storytelling. That's that's what I always say. You know, tell a story. Yeah. Well, I think you need to start filming again for yourself because it sounds like you've got quite. Oh. I mean, you you have quite the adventure going on. If you need help editing, we, we're available. <laughs> I know. I wouldn't mind. You know, I wouldn't mind being a part of somebody's podcast or even multiple ones where I yeah. carry a little camera around with me. I mean, I I don't know if I get the kills and stuff, but I mean, get interesting stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, you're good. you got a voice for about, uh, radio too. You're doing really good on this podcast. You got a great voice for podcasts. And, oh, thanks. Yeah, you're doing really good. So, what um, I've learned, I can tell you this right now. After you know, forty something years of, forty five years of hunting whitetails and stuff, and I've been out here hunting this country for thirty, thirty something years, almost thirty five years. I'm learning more about these the behavior of these deer because I'm scouting year round. I'm using the trail cameras and everything. Mm-hmm. it is still each deer is different every deer has a personality some of these deer live and die in two square miles some will have eight square miles you know they're just all a little bit different and uh to to, to try to figure out one deer is just it's fun for me you know that's why I, I get into like yep. it's know, so much fun yeah it, it can be yeah. It can be like uh, very discouraging hunting one deer, but it's so when it all comes together, it's just incredible. There's nothing better, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, you know firsthand that buck you killed this year—that was three years in the making. Yep, three years of history with him and the highs That's and the lows, awesome. and then and then finally having it come together, and yep. it's just uh, and the whole story behind it too. You got it, like like you said, Tom, the trail cam pictures telling the story leading up to everything. Mm. That's that's mm-hmm. what makes a video for you know when I'm watching a video. That's what I like is the storyline. Yep. And if you don't have that story and you don't have that originality in it, then you feel like you're missing something there. But yeah, yep. that's definitely a big part of it. Yep. So, huh. Yeah. That's great. Well, I mean, we've talked about quite a bit. We probably can start to wrap it up here, Tom, if that sounds good to you. Okay. You got, uh, you got any major takeaways from, you got like one last one. What, what would you say the most memorable hunt 
you've been on the Benoits with? What's what's the one that comes to mind? That's a tough question. Know. You've had a lot, but <laughs> I know. But that that waterfall abductor was pretty cool, man. Yeah, I tell you, yeah, yeah it was dangerous film. too. You yeah. know, the whole the whole thing with that uh, going over cliffs was, and rivers. Yeah, and... Lanny. We Lanny told me because uh, that was that was towards the end. Of, that was towards the fifteenth, and it was uh, no snow that year till just towards the end. It wasn't that much snow either. Mm-hmm. It was that wet snow too, and. He says, "I we're killing this deer. We have to kill this deer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know." And it's like, and we were having a tough time because we were jumping him up, uh, I think, three or four times. And uh, yeah, and I didn't know if that camera because it was wet, and sometimes you know the cameras can get uh, can malfunction and stuff, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was that was probably one of the best best ones. It was a real adventure. Yeah, that's incredible. Catching that thing across the river like that. It's just, like you said, <laughs> yeah. the steam rolling off the gun. And there's like a little leaf. There's like a little leaf on the side of that deer, and he almost hit that thing. With, oh, yeah. He was still using open sights back then. Yeah. We were rewinding it like 10 times because the first time you look at it, you can't like it because the deer blended in so well. And so, like, I remember being rewinding the VHS. Oh, yeah, there it is. And <laughs> just a lot of good memories watching them, you know. Uh, yeah. Wow. But Yeah. Well, let me say this, Tom, uh, on behalf of us and, you know, everybody in the Northeast hunting community, everybody that's getting into tracking, we, we owe you a big thank you for everything you did, you know, spending the time, sacrificing your seasons, doing everything you did to put that content out there to inspire that next generation. That's, you know, that's all you, that's your work. So yeah, we appreciate that. We appreciate you doing this with us and, uh, we'll definitely have to do this again with you yeah. sometime soon. You, you have a million stories that we could probably go on all day about, but, uh, we'll have to save that for the next one. Right. It sounds good. It's been nice talking to you guys. Yeah, we yeah. got. We like to send you out some stuff to test too. You know, some yeah. gear that we got coming out. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. want to do some filming, we'll uh, we'll uh, get yes, a uh, little track pack on its way out to you there with the camera. Yeah, send me the little uh, the little thing on your shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Cool. No I'll doubt. I'll put a GoPro on there. Yep, yeah, that's awesome. Sweet. Cool. Thanks again, bud. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Tom. Bye. You're listening to Stagger Cast, brought to you by Stagger Gear. Come meet and learn from the best trackers in the world this summer at Huntstock, America's reinvented hunting show. August 11th through the 13th at Wildwood Farm in Westminster, Massachusetts, you can expect three days of celebrating hunting, meeting and learning from legendary hunters, winning prizes from our over $30,000 worth of giveaways, and having the best time you've ever had at a hunting show. For trackers and fans of the Benoit family, we're happy to announce that Woodman Arms has partnered with the Benoits to reproduce their legendary DVD series by popular demand. They're finally coming out, and they'll be available for the first time at Huntstock this summer. They're likely to sell out at Huntstock, so make sure you get your tickets to Huntstock so you can get your hands on them before they're gone. If they don't sell out, they'll be available online at woodmanarms.com. 
With trackers at Huntstock like Lanny Benoit and Timmy Bolduck, Hal Blood, Rick Labby, and the whole Big Woods Bucks team, Joe Donito, Jim Massett, Steve Grabowski from the Adirondack Trackers, Rodney Elmer and Mountain Deer, Joey Davis and his great team at Northwoods Whitetails, Adam Lamson, his team at Stagger, there's not a better show in the world for deer trackers. With 50-plus hours of seminars and live podcast programming on multiple stages and gear built for trackers on display and for sale, and over 80 sponsors from the hunting world, you do not want to miss this show. You can get your tickets at www.huntstockevents.com, H-U-N-T-S-T-O-C-K, events.com today and use code stagger at checkout for 10% off that's s-t-a-g-r at checkout for 10% off and all who use the code stagger will be entered to win one of five special Benoit DVDs that will feature a never before seen interview with Lanny Benoit that won't be published to the public so Woodman Arms is reproducing all the legendary DVDs and five of them will have a special Lanny Benoit interview and we'll make those drawings at Huntstock. But you have to buy your tickets using code STAGGER to get entered into that. So, once again, get your tickets at www.huntstockevents.com. Use code STAGGER for 10% off and to be entered into the raffle. And we'll see you at Huntstock.